0: You're listening to The Ancient Tradition, a Wonk Media production. Music provided by Joseph McDade. Here's your host, Dr. Jack Logan. Welcome to The Ancient Tradition. I'm your host, Jack Logan. In this podcast, Audio Writ, you'll find recordings of ancient and modern writings that are directly relevant to the ancient Tradition which refers to the first religious tradition imparted to human beings in the beginning. On this platform, you can find an entire podcast dedicated to trying to reconstruct that first religious tradition from all of the evidence that we can find in the ancient record. If you haven't given it a listen, I highly recommend you check it out. Just search for The Ancient Tradition or visit our website, theancienttradition.com. Today's audio recording comes from the book Reading the Epic of Gilgamesh, which contains Andrew George's definitive English translation. Scholars date the poem to sometime between 2100 and 1200 BC, which makes it the earliest known literary composition of note, and the second oldest religious text after the pyramid texts. Because the poem was inscribed on cuneiform tablets, several of which were damaged, You'll notice that some sections of the poem are missing. The Epic of Gilgamesh, Tablet 10, At the Edge of the World Beyond the garden, by the seashore, lives a wise old goddess. She spies a forbidding figure in the distance, and taking him to be a hunter, bars the door of her tavern. Gilgamesh hears her and threatens to break in. She asks who he is. He tells her how his friend has died and how much he now fears death, and he asks her to aid in crossing the sea to find Unapishtim. She warns him of the futility of his quest and the dangers of the waters of death, but at length tells him where to find Unapishtim's ferryman, Urshanabi, with his crew of stone ones. Gilgamesh rushes down on the ferryman and his strange companions. When the fighting is over, he explains his quest to Urshanabi and asks his aid. In finding Unapishtim. Urshanabi reveals that Gilgamesh has hindered his own progress by smashing the stone ones, but he instructs Gilgamesh to make punting poles of immense length as an alternative means of propulsion. They embark on the boat with the poles. When the poles are all gone, Gilgamesh uses the ferryman's garment to make a sail and they cross the waters of death. Having landed, Gilgamesh tells his story to Unapishtim. Unapishtim reminds him of the duties of kings and discourses on the inevitability of death and the fleeting nature of life. Shaduri was a tavern keeper who lived by the seashore. There she dwelt in an inn by the seashore. Pot stands she had and vats of gold. She was swathed in hoods and veiled with veils. Gilgamesh came wandering. He was clad in a pelt and fearful to look on the flesh of the gods he had in his body but in his heart there was sorrow his face resembled one come from afar as the tavern keeper watched him in the distance talking to herself she spoke a word taking counsel in her own mind for sure this man is a hunter of wild bulls but where does he come from making straight for my gate thus the tavern keeper saw him and barred her gate barred her gate and went up on the roof But Gilgamesh gave ear to. He lifted his chin and turned towards her. Said Gilgamesh to her, to the tavern keeper, Tavern keeper, why did you bar your gate as soon as you saw me? You barred your gate and went up on the roof. I shall smash down the door. I shall shatter the bolts. Said the tavern keeper to him, to Gilgamesh. I barred my gate. I went up on the roof. Let me learn of your journey. Said Gilgamesh to her, to the tavern keeper, My friend Enkidu and I, having joined forces, we climbed the mountains, seized and slew the bull of heaven, destroyed Humbaba, who dwelt in the forest of cedar, killed lions in the mountain passes, said the tavern keeper to him, to Gilgamesh. If you and Enkidu were the ones who slew the guardian, destroyed Humbaba, who dwelt in the forest of cedar, killed lions in the mountain passes, seized and slew the bull come down from heaven... Why are your cheeks so hollow, your face so sunken, your mood so wretched, your visage so wasted? Why in your heart does sorrow reside and your face resemble one come from afar? Why are your features burnt by frost and by sunshine? And why do you wander the wild in lion's garb? Said Gilgamesh to her, to the tavern keeper, why should my cheeks not be hollow, my face not sunken? my mood not wretched, my visage not wasted? Should not sorrow reside in my heart, and my face not resemble one come from afar? Should not my features be burnt by frost and by sunshine? And should I not wander the wild in lion's garb? My friend a wild ass on the run, donkey on the uplands, panther of the wild, and my friend Enkidu a wild ass on the run, donkey on the uplands, panther of the wild. My friend, whom I loved so dear, who with me went through every danger. My friend Enkidu, whom I loved so dear, who with me went through every danger. The doom of mortals overtook him. Six days I wept for him, and seven nights. I did not surrender his body for burial until a maggot dropped from his nostril. Then I was afraid that I too would die. I grew fearful of death and so wandered the wild. What became of my friend was too much to bear, so on a far road I wandered the wild. What became of my friend Enkidu was too much to bear, so on a far path I wandered the wild. How can I keep silent? How can I stay quiet? My friend whom I loved has turned to clay. My friend Enkidu whom I loved has turned to clay. Shall I not be like him and also lie down never to rise again through all eternity, said Gilgamesh to her, to the tavern-keeper. Now, O tavern-keeper, where is the road to Unapishtim? What is its landmark? Tell me, give me its landmark. If it may be done, I will cross the ocean. If it may not be done, I will wander the wild, said the tavern-keeper to him, to Gilgamesh. O Gilgamesh, there never has been a way across... Nor since olden days can anyone cross the ocean. Only Shamash, the hero, crosses the ocean, apart from the sun god who crosses the ocean. The crossing is perilous, its way full of hazard, and midway lie the waters of death blocking the passage forward. So besides, Gilgamesh, once you have crossed the ocean, when you have reached the waters of death, what then will you do? Gilgamesh, there is Urshanabi, the boatmen of Unapishtim, and the stone ones are with him, and he picks a pine clean in the midst of the forest. Go then, let him see your face. If it may be done, go across with him. If it may not be done, turn around and go back. Gilgamesh heard these words, and he took up his axe in his hand. He drew forth the dirk from his belt. Forward he crept, and on them rushed down. Like an arrow, he fell among them. In the midst of the forest, his shout resounded. Urshanabi saw the bright. He took up an axe and he... But he, Gilgamesh, struck his head. He seized his arm and pinned him down. They took fright, the stone ones who crewed the boat, who were not harmed by the waters of death. The wild ocean at the waters. He stayed not his hand. He smashed them in his fury. He threw them in the river. He came back to stand over him, as Urshanabi looked him in the eye, said Urshanabi to him, to Gilgamesh, Tell me, what is your name? I am Urshanabi of Unapishtim the distant, said Gilgamesh to him, to Urshanabi. Gilgamesh is my name, who came from Urukiana, who wound away around the mountains, the hidden road where rises the sun, said Urshanabi to him, to Gilgamesh. Why are your cheeks hollow, your face so sunken, your mood so wretched, your visage so wasted? Why in your heart does sorrow reside, and your face resemble one come from afar? Why are your features burnt by frost and by sunshine, and why do you wander the wild in lion's garb? Said Gilgamesh to him, to the boatman Urshanabi, why should my cheeks not be hollow, my face not sunken, my mood not wretched, my visage not wasted? Should not sorrow reside in my heart, and my face not resemble one come from afar? Should not my features be burnt by frost and by sunshine, and should I not wander in the wild in lion's garb? My friend, a wild ass on the run, donkey of the uplands, panther of the wild. My friend, Enkidu, a wild ass on the run, donkey of the uplands, panther of the wild. Having joined forces, we climbed the mountains, seized and slew the bull of heaven destroyed Humbaba, who dwelt in the forest of cedar, killed lions in the mountain passes. My friend, whom I loved so dear, who with me went through every danger, my friend Enkidu, who I loved so dear, who with me went through every danger, the doom of mortals overtook him. Six days I wept for him, and seven nights. I did not surrender his body for burial until a maggot dropped from his nostril. Then I was afraid that I too would die. I grew fearful of death, so wander the wild. What became of my friend was too much to bear, so on a far road I wander the wild. What became of my friend Enkidu was too much to bear, so on a far path I wander the wild. How can I keep silent? How can I stay quiet? My friend whom I loved has turned to clay. My friend Enkidu whom I loved was turned to clay. Shall I not be like him and also lie down, never to rise again through all eternity? Said Gilgamesh to him, to Urshanabi the boatman. Now, Urshanabi, where is the road to Yenapishtim? What is its landmark? Tell me, give me its landmark. If it may be done, I will cross the ocean. If it may not be done, I will wander the wild. Said Urshanabi to him, to Gilgamesh. Your own hands, O Gilgamesh, have prevented your crossing. You smashed the stone ones, threw them in the river. The stone ones are smashed, and the pine is not stripped. Take up, O Gilgamesh, your axe in your hand. Go down to the forest and cut three hundred punting poles, each five rods in length. Trim them and furnish them, each with a boss. Then bring them here into my presence. Gilgamesh heard these words. He took up his axe in his hand. He drew forth the dirk from his belt. He went down to the forest and cut 300 punting poles, each five rods in length. He trimmed them and furnished them each with a boss. Then he brought them to Urshanabi, the boatman. Gilgamesh and Urshanabi crewed the boat. They launched the craft and crewed it themselves. In three days, they made a journey of a month and a half, and Urshanabi came to the waters of death said Urshanabi to him, to Gilgamesh. Set two, O Gilgamesh, take the first punting pole. Let your hand not touch the waters of death, lest you wither it. Take a second punting pole, Gilgamesh, a third and a fourth. Take a fifth punting pole, Gilgamesh, a sixth and a seventh. Take an eighth punting pole, Gilgamesh, a ninth and a tenth. Take an eleventh punting pole, Gilgamesh, and a twelfth. At one hundred and twenty double furloughs, Gilgamesh had used all the punting poles. So he, Urshanabi, undid his clothing. Gilgamesh stripped off his garment, with arms held aloft he made a yard arm. Eunapishtim was watching Gilgamesh in the distance. Talking to himself he spoke a word, taking counsel in his own mind, why are the boats stone ones all broken, and aboard it one who is not its master? He who comes is no man of mine. But on the right, I am looking, but he is no man of mine. He is not mine, the boatman, the man who. Gilgamesh drew near to the quayside. Said Gilgamesh to him, to Yenapishtim, him, who after the deluge. Said him to him, to Gilgamesh, why are your cheeks so hollow, your face so sunken, your mood so wretched, your visage so wasted? Why in your heart does sorrow reside, and your face resemble one come from afar? Why are your features burnt by frost and by sunshine? And why do you wander the wild in lion's garb? Said Gilgamesh to him, to Yenapishtim. Why should my cheeks not be hollow, my face not sunken, my mood not wretched, my visage not wasted? Should not sorrow reside in my heart, and my face not resemble one come from afar? Should not my features be burnt by frost and by sunshine? And should I not wander the wild in lion's garb? My friend, a wild ass on the run, donkey of the uplands, panther of the wild. My friend Enkidu, a wild ass on the run, donkey of the uplands, panther of the wild. Having joined forces, we climbed the mountains, seized and slew the bull of heaven, destroyed Humbaba who dwelt in the forest of cedar, killed lions in the mountain passes. My friend, whom I loved so dear, who with me went through every danger, My friend Enkidu, whom I loved so dear, who with me went through every danger, the doom of mortals overtook him. Six days I wept for him, and seven nights. I did not surrender his body for burial until a maggot dropped from his nostril. And then I was afraid that I too would die. I grew fearful of death, and so wander the wild. What became of my friend was too much to bear, so on a far road I wander the wild. What became of my friend Enkidu was too much to bear. So on a far path I wandered the wild. How can I keep silent? How can I stay quiet? My friend whom I loved has turned to clay. My friend Enkidu whom I loved has turned to clay. Shall I not be like him and also lie down, never to rise again through all eternity? Said Gilgamesh to him, to Unapishtim, I thought, I will find Unapishtim the distant, of whom men tell. And I wandered journeying through every land. Many times I passed through terrible mountains. Many times I crossed and recrossed all the oceans. Of slumber's sweet, my face had too little. I scourged myself by going sleepless. I have filled my sinews with sorrow. And what have I achieved by my toil? I had yet to reach the tavern keeper. My clothing was worn out. I killed bear, hyena, lion, panther, cheetah, deer, ebex, and beasts, and game of the wild. I ate their flesh, their pelts I flayed. Now let the gate of sorrow be barred. Let its doors be sealed with tar and pitch. For my sake they shall interrupt the dancing no more. For me, happy and carefree. So you nappished him to him to Gilgamesh. Why, Gilgamesh, did you ever chase sorrow, you who are built from God's flesh and human, whom the gods did fashion like your father and mother? Did you ever, Gilgamesh, compare your lot with the fool? They placed a throne in the assembly and told you, sit. The fool gets leftover yeast instead of fresh ghee, bran and grist instead of best flour. He is clad in a rag instead of fine garments. Instead of a belt, he is girt with old rope. Because he has no advisers to guide him, his affairs lack counsel. Have thought for him, Gilgamesh, who is their master, as many as. The moon and the gods of the night. At night, the moon travels and the gods stay awake. And wakeful, unsleeping from olden times is set. Now consider your support. If, Gilgamesh, the temples of the gods have no provisioner, The temples of the goddesses, they, the gods, for, he made. For a gift he, they will cast down. Enkidu, indeed, they took to his doom. But you, you toiled away, and what did you achieve? You exhaust yourself with ceaseless toil. You fill your sinews with sorrow. Bringing forward the end of your days, man is snapped off like a reed in a canebrake. The comely young man, the pretty young woman, all too soon in their prime, death abducts them. No one at all sees death. No one at all sees the face of death. No one at all hears the voice of death. Death so savage who hacks men down. Ever do we build our households. Ever do we make our nests. Ever do brothers divide their inheritance. Ever do feuds arise in the land. Ever the river has risen and brought us the flood the mayfly floating on the water, on the face of the sun its countenance gazes, then all of the sudden nothing is there. The abducted and the dead, how alike is their lot, but never was drawn the likeness of death, never in the land did the dead greet a man. The Anunnaki, the great gods, held an assembly. Mammata, maker of destiny, fixed fates with them. Both death and life they have established, but the day of death they do not disclose. That concludes the Epic of Gilgamesh, Tablet 10. I hope you enjoyed this audio recording, the Epic of Gilgamesh, is one of the world's oldest religious texts and it plays a very important role on our sister podcast where we dive into comparative religion and share with you the amazing and even mind-boggling parallels between religious traditions. I highly recommend checking it out. Just search for the Ancient Tradition Podcast. That wraps up this edition of Audio Writ. Remember in the words of William Shakespeare, knowledge is the wing wherewith we fly to heaven. I'm Jack Logan. You've been listening to The Ancient Tradition, a Wonk Media production.